Does everyone have a copy of lesson two of our study, Accepting Adversity and Tragedy? Anybody need a copy? Need two? Okay. Anybody else? We'll review just a little bit of, of this lesson that we've covered already. And uh, in fact, the first paragraph reviews the first lesson. It's been a while ago since we looked at, first, at that first lesson. But uh, in lesson one, this first paragraph says, we listed and discussed serious, a series of difficult questions that are often asked as we face the inequities of life and adversities and tragedies that often result. In that first lesson, there's about 13 or so questions that were listed that are sometimes difficult as why did this happen or whatever. This next sentence says, for the most part, these questions are appropriate ones, often questions that come naturally to mind as we contemplate a seemingly meaningless tragedy. But these questions are also dangerous to our souls if, and underline if, they cause us to begin to question the goodness and the care of God. And so that's what lesson two is about, actually. That's that last sentence that we uh, read. Sometimes we see uh, adversity or there's tragedy in our life. Th uh, John, pick up a lesson two back there on that table. Um, sometimes we see uh, adversity or tragedies in our life and, and we don't understand uh, the reason for it. We may question it and uh, some of the answers might be found in God's word and some uh, may not be. And so uh, that's, a, as this sentence says here, uh, questions are dangerous if... Uh, they cause us to begin to question the goodness and the care of God. So there were a couple of quotations there in the next two paragraphs, uh, uh, one from uh, James Dobson and another from Warren Wiersbe. And then that next paragraph where it begins with, as Christians, I've highlighted this, as Christians we must prepare ourselves in advance for the test of our faith. In the end, as hard as, as it is to understand at times, Nothing is more tragic than the loss of our faith. So, again, that's what this second lesson is about, is uh, we must prepare ourselves in advance for uh, testing of our faith, the adversities or the uh, tragedies that uh, we may face in our life. And so, uh, Psalms 30, uh, 73, rather, is what we studied a couple of weeks ago, or last week, whenever it was, and... Uh, it seems that Asaph uh, had some problems with uh, 
adversity, shall we call it. Uh, just looking at Psalms um, 73, verse 21, we'll read it again. Psalms 73, verse 21 and 22, uh, it says, uh, When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. So he's talking about tragedy in his life or his soul being embittered. It actually wasn't a tragedy. Go back to the first uh, verse of Psalm 73. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, here's what his problem was. As for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Four, and he goes on to explain why his feet nearly uh, stumbled, uh, why he had nearly slipped. And that's, that's the import of this second lesson is to make sure that we understand where our foundation is so that when we face things like Asaph did, uh, uh, we'll not stumble. And it, didn't, it appears that he didn't. But uh, anyway, verse 21 and 22 are the... Uh, again, the theme uh, of uh, these lessons. <coughs> and so, let's see, on the second page, or it's actually page four, um, under emotions are revelations. And uh, <coughs> I, want, I want to go ahead and read this uh, paragraph. I think we might have last week. But like Asaph, we may find ourselves having nearly slipped, having almost stumbled. But the key is to gain a proper understanding. What is to be the source of this understanding? Where do we turn uh, when com comforted, confronted with questions we cannot answer? Unfortunately, once a tragedy has occurred, many people rely almost exclusively on their emotions. It is what they feel that drives their conclusions about God and about his fairness, fairness or concern. <coughs> We're going to hear more about emotions in our lessons at the next hour. But uh, that's what happens sometimes, and that's what happened in this next paragraph. Is when there was the bombing in Oklahoma City some years ago, uh, there's a woman that uh, uh, stated that... Uh, her newfound belief in, in God uh, was, was difficult to hang on to, and I'm paraphrasing, not quoting here, uh, because how in the world would God let uh, little children that, and adults, but little children, there was a lot of uh, uh, daycare in that uh, building, children died. She uh, let her emotions override her reasoning, or she let her emotions and not the, not the knowledge of God's word uh, how could have God have done that? Uh, so the last couple of uh, three sentences there in that paragraph were talking about that. Innocent children have died at the hands of evil men for as far back as they, we have recorded history. The Bible acknowledges such events. Matthew 2 is one of them where Herod killed the young children. But this tragedy had struck near to home, and her understandable grief and anguish, she had drawn unwarranted conclusions about God. So this second lesson, that's, that's what it's talking about. We need, to, we need to be prepared, as prepared as we can be. We've already said that there will be some questions that we may not ever answer. And uh, 
uh, somewhere, let's see, was it in the first lesson? Uh, some, some broad questions. We may have uh, very broad questions about uh, things, but when it gets down to specific things, uh, even though we might have answers for those things that are now, I have to go back and look how that said it in lesson one, but uh, some of the broader things, we might be able to, to see what God has to say about it, but then when it gets right down to the specific things, is why did that uh, car hit that car head on? Uh, whatever uh, is is hard to answer. Okay, so that's where we left off last week. Uh, any thought or question you have that you want to bring up before we continue here with uh, 1 Corinthians 2? You can be turning there because we're going to look at that uh, text. 1 Corinthians 2. There's two or three questions here underneath. Read 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 12. The first question is, how is the wisdom of God described and who can know it directly? And has God chosen to reveal things about himself? Let's see if uh, 1 Corinthians 2, beginning with verse 6 through 12, answers any of that. It says in verse 6, Yet among the mature... We do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret hidden and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understand this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, <coughs> excuse me, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thought of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us. And in verse 13, he says, We impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truth with those who are spiritual. So what is Paul saying here? He's, say, he's saying that, uh, we, us, and he's talking about himself, the apostles, the inspired men, uh, they received the wisdom of God, which had been hidden. And uh, that's why he calls it a mystery. A mystery is something that has been hidden. But he says, we received the wisdom of God by inspiration. He revealed it to us. And what he has revealed, we can understand. But... Uh, uh, it, the, 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 the people of that age that he was talking about there, in that age that he lived, didn't understand it. 
And that's the reason to them it was a mystery and then probably remained a mystery if they didn't open their minds to, to hear the, the gospel uh, that was preached by the apostles, the prophets. And he uses an illustration here. Uh, how, how, how can we know the mind of God? What is the illustration that he used to, to, to illustrate how we can know the mind of God? Do you know what I'm thinking right now? You don't, do you? Because I hadn't revealed it to you. But if I tell you what I'm thinking right now, then you'll know, right? That's the way God is. Do you know what God's thinking? No, not unless he reveals it to you. And Paul says he revealed it to us in the inspiration of the scriptures. I don't know that word's not used here. And so when we read it, we can understand it. In fact, that's a parallel passage to Ephesians. We might as well go over there and read those uh, three or four verses. Uh, in Ephesians, the third chapter, verse 3, 4, and 5. This is actually a commentary on 1 Corinthians uh, 2. Ephesians 3, beginning with... Uh, no, let's, do, let's just go with the first verse. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my thoughts into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to the sons of men in the other generations as it has now been revealed in his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. <coughs> Excuse me. This mystery, verse 6, is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. <coughs> that last verse there is what the context is about. <coughs> but if God has not revealed something to people it's a mystery it's hidden and to to the uh, Gentiles the mystery of God had not been revealed about the salvation that's uh, available in Christ but until uh, the apostles and prophets of the New Testament revealed it now that doesn't mean that everything that we can question uh, or have uh, questions about tragedy or uh, adversity or whatever that God has said anything about it but if we're going to understand what God has said, then he's going to have to reveal it to us. If we're going to find answers to questions <clears throat> in regard to tragedies and adversities and so on, then it's the, it's the word of God that we look to. If we can't find it there, as we've already said a couple of times, if God hasn't revealed his mind on something, then he, has, he, he is so pleased himself that he's not going to or hasn't, and we uh, don't have an answer for it. And that's the case a lot of times and when we uh, find ourselves in situations that uh, just don't seem possible. Why would God let the, the, those children die or why would this happen? And if he's a loving God, then why did he do this? If, he's, he, if he has said something about it, then we can know the answer. But we've got to search your scriptures to do it. And so uh, that's basically what uh, this lesson is about. First Corinthians 2 and 3 are the foundation, so to speak of 
things that are hidden have been made known. The things that God wants uh, made known, He has made known uh, in His Scriptures, and we can find answers if He has given us an answer. Ken? Right, if they're not willing to be, uh, uh, to listen to God's word, which is a carnal mind, uh, even though they wouldn't admit it maybe, then, then you're not going to understand it. That leads us to the next paragraph, actually. And some things that, uh, I want to read this paragraph, or, or maybe two of both of them, uh, because uh, I want us to, to ponder on something here that uh, I'm not so sure we should uh, uh, just take what this fellow says without looking at it. And that's uh, beginning of uh, point D there, Martin Lloyd-Jones. Uh, he's a good writer. He has a lot of good things that I've read from him. But let's go ahead and read this paragraph. It's, it's a quote from uh, <coughs> beginning here on page 4 and ending up on page 5. <coughs> uh, and he's, he's, this quote is coming from his study of Psalm 73 that we've already looked at. And uh, so, uh, actually, it says from a sermon on Psalm 73 and following what the passage is from Isaiah. And so he's, he's using both of those passages here. He says, half of our troubles arise from the fact that we do not realize that that is the basic position from which we must always start. I think that many of us get into trouble because we forget that we are really dealing with the mind of God and that God's mind is not like our mind. We desire everything to be cut and dried and simple and feel that there should never be any problems or difficulties. You ever heard people that that's, that's the way they think? There shouldn't be any uh, question that doesn't have an answer. There shouldn't be any difficulties that we don't understand. But anyway, <coughs> uh, but if there is one thing that is taught more clearly than any else in the Bible, it is that that is never the case in our dealings with God. He's got two that's in there. <laughs> uh, the ways of God are inscrutable. His mind is infinite and eternal. And his purposes are so great that our sinful minds cannot understand. Therefore, when such a being is dealing with us, it ought not to surprise us if at times things take place which are perplexing to us. Now, I'm not sure about his wording here, but here's my question. Uh, that when he says that his mind, talking about God, is infinite and eternal, and his purposes are so great that our sinful minds cannot uh, understand. Now, that, that may be uh, true, as Ken was pointing out and what he was saying, but because we're sinners, we don't understand. And I think he's coming from the standpoint, I'm pretty sure he is if I've read enough from him, he's coming from the standpoint that he's a Calvinist. 
and you cannot understand anything until the Holy Spirit zaps you. That's my wording. And uh, so we're, we're born in depravity, we're born sinners, and until the Holy Spirit works on you directly, you cannot understand anything. Our sinful minds cannot understand. If that's where he's coming from, I don't believe it. Am I correct in that? You, your thought? Yeah. So, anyway, other, otherwise what he says here is pretty good, but I thought... I, uh, knowing him enough from what I've read uh, from his writings and everything, I, th I think that's what he's saying. Uh, we, our sinful minds. Now, Ken is right that when we have a carnal mind that we're not open to, look to God's word, then we're not going to understand it. But you have to have a readiness of mind, a willingness to hear and see what God says. But it's not our sinful minds that keep us from hearing because we've been uh, totally... Uh, depraved from birth because of our parents and because their parents and so forth and so on. That's Calvinism. Okay. Any thoughts before we look at the rest of this? John brings up a passage that is very difficult. Why did Jesus say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me on the cross? And there are a number of views, and, uh, and I won't tell you which one's right. <laughs> uh, that's a quotation Jesus quoted from the Old Testament when he said that. Uh, and here's, here's, here's the dilemma there, and I'll try to explain it. Uh, is Jesus, uh, as I think understood John say, is he, he have, having a, a period of, and I'm not quoting John now, ha, quoting a, uh, having a period of uh, doubt, having a period of uh, wow, uh, or what? One view is that that's, it, that's the case. He's, why have you forsaken me, God? The other view is that from the Old Testament passage, uh, he and this is what's hard to explain. He is, is expressing the uh, terribleness, the, can you get, help me with a word here, of being, uh, having the sins of the world placed on his shoulders. And, uh, he, I, I, and as I say, I don't know which one I would pick and tell you, well, this is, this is the right one, but that he is feeling that weight and uh, not that God forsook him, but that he is, is uh, feeling the weight of, of a sin that he's, he's taking on. And, and I, it's difficult for me to explain that, that particular viewpoint. But there are others as well. So anyway, John, you brought up a good passage, but it's difficult. <laughs> Ted and then Wilma. There's, there's that explanation that God did forsake him because he, was, he had sin and God can't, uh, 
can't uh, abide sin and, or dwell with sin. Uh, if that's what you think, I'm not going to argue with you, but I, I don't feel that's, that's what it is. But anyway, uh, and, I, and I have a difficulty telling you what I think it is anyway, so I will. And you hit upon it, uh, both of you, hit upon it that, that uh, uh, sin separates from God, and he was sinless, so he felt like God uh, 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 left him, but the viewpoint is he didn't really, it's just that's the way he felt, and that's what some people explain from the Old Testament quotations. Ed? I'll never forsake you or leave you. You'll have to look that up. Uh, I, I know that there is a passage that, uh, uh, in Ruth says something like that. I'll never forsake you or leave you or whatever it is. <coughs> Ken, did you have your hand up? Yeah, I see you now. Okay, and when did that power that Satan uh, 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 over death, as, as Ken's talking about there, when did that power, when was that power taken away? When he was raised from the dead. <coughs> okay, uh, Terry, do you have your hand up? It's a difficult uh, thing to grasp, and like I say, it's one of those questions, maybe, that we will not fully say, okay, that's it, and I'm not going to budge from it. I'll let 
others have their understanding as well. John, do you have an? You keep on studying it. And when we were in Issaquah, or before we were in Issaquah, I heard a, a preacher preach a, a lesson. Well, I don't know if the whole lesson was on it, but he explained <clears throat> one, one viewpoint <clears throat> was that God didn't really forsake him. But when, and I don't remember where I heard that lesson, but when we were in Issaquah, there was a young fellow came and, uh, and preached one day there, and, and he completely refuted that idea in his mind. So I know there's at least two viewpoints. And... Uh, that, that's what happens sometimes when we don't really maybe grasp the whole meaning of it. We're going to have our understanding of it, and you and I are not going to go, uh, go on outs if we differ on it. Sufficient? Ken says no. Glad <laughs> 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 No question about that. But that doesn't answer the question, what did Jesus feel? <laughs> I mean, with, with absolute certainty. Okay, uh, anything else besides that? that uh, <clears throat> lesson two we need to look at. <clears throat> I handed out lesson three last week. Uh, uh, thinking that might, we might get into it, <coughs> and I'm not going to, except to just kind of look it over. Does anybody need lesson three? You need it. Well, and uh, we'll we may we just review it right now, and uh, let's see. Let me see pass that one down there. Okay, anybody else need lesson? I can't separate the sheets, so you'll have to do it for me. Anyone else down this way? It's a continuation, really, in, in the introduction to this. It's not, uh, uh, excuse me, it's not uh, changing, uh, switching gears here. Lesson four, more or less, will switch gears, so to speak. Uh, but it continues the idea of listening uh, to God. How about you? Well, I can't get it separated, so you take it, two of them. Uh, the emphasis in lesson two, as we've been trying to understand, is, is that we need to know God's mind, his will, what he has revealed we need to under, try to understand. Doesn't mean we're going to answer every question, but have in our minds, first of all, that our faith is going to be strong enough that when we face adversity or tragedy or whatever, that we will not be as that woman's comment was about the bombing in Oklahoma City, that we'll still hold on to our faith and not uh, 
uh, not waver uh, and uh, blame God for this or that or the other or the, how could God be a God of righteousness, etc. And lesson three continues that. Uh, we, uh, <coughs> in fact, is the first paragraph is a, is a review of lesson one and two. And uh, uh, then he talks about the, the gift of Christ and to what degree we deserve Christ's sacrifice. And then to the degree to which we needed sacrifice, Christ's sacrifice and the degree of Christ's suffering. Oh, there we go. Maybe get back to that again. But uh, then uh, abiding benefits. So uh, the gift of Christ is, is, the, it was the emphasis of this part of this lesson. Uh, why did we need the gift of Christ? Ken's actually already answered that, but uh, we'll look at this a little more deeply here. We have Romans and Ephesians again, and, uh, and Hebrews and Mark, and also uh, Hebrews again on page uh, 7 and number 4. And then the uh, third main point is the con contrast concerns. Uh, from the beginning to the end, the Bible describes a God who cares for his people. Please take time, it says here, to read through the following scriptures, which when finished, consider the total weight of these scriptures and the fact that they are but a small sample of similar verses throughout the Bible. So there's seven scriptures there that uh, we should read besides these that we've just mentioned here in the first part of this. And uh, then the next section is uh, spiritual blessings that we have and then uh, eternal life, and uh, there may be some viewpoints on that that differ as well, that last uh, section there, uh, but, uh, or may ne not necessarily differ, but uh, what's the extent of eternal life and so on, so I'll tweak your mind and curiosity on that, and uh, so do you have any, anything in, in looking over that lesson that you want to ask before we look at it next week? Okay. I think Yes. That was brought up while you were gone, but let's look at it again. Yes. Okay, so Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. Uh, what, and that's, this is, uh, has to do a little bit with what Paul was saying there uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians, that what God wants revealed, or what, let me put it this what I meant to say, what God wants man to know, he'll reveal it, because we can't know his mind otherwise. But if he doesn't reveal it, that it's going to remain a mystery. Uh, and it was a, the gospel and what Paul was talking about, it was a mystery. It was hidden for a good while. But if God wants us to know it, he'll reveal it. And so this passage that uh, we brought up some time ago while Kay was gone, and she's read it for us this morning, is a good one to bring up. Because the secret things, this version says, belong to God, to the Lord our God. But the things are, that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So the things God has revealed, Sometimes difficult to understand. That's what, that's what uh, Peter said about Paul's writings. But it doesn't mean that uh, God hasn't revealed 
uh, his word, his mind, as he wants us, what he wants us to know. Wilma? Right, and and I think, yeah, I think that in lesson two on page four, read, I read the number two down at the bottom near there, uh, how different are the thoughts of God than the thoughts of man, is that passage right there. Uh, see, I had a thought there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, when we were studying, uh, and we'll quit with this and not, not look at it because <coughs> Kelly asked the question last week when we were talking about uh, Psalm 73 that uh, Asaph had some questions, and the, the question came up, uh, does God take away a person? Does God bring them uh, in order to, when they die, is it God taking them away from this life? And I'm not asking it exactly the way Kelly did. But uh, Isaiah 57, verse 1 is the passage she brought up. And I said we'd look at it today, but she's not here today, and I'm not, I don't want to look at it while she's not here because of her questions. So if you want to uh, discuss it, she is next week, but we'll go ahead and discuss it. Otherwise, we'll go on. But, uh, um, and I can't remember now, I didn't write it down, I don't think, on the sheet here, it had to do with that psalm of Asaph. Um, I, I, I can tell you if I look at the passage right quick. Psalm 63, or 73, I'm sorry. Uh, Truly God is good to Israel, to those who appear in heart. Better for me, my feet are almost stunned. Almost done with my steps are nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant, and I saw the prosperity of the wicked. That's not the one I'm looking at. What passage, what verse was it? I'm not sure of right now. Where it says, it sounds like God, God takes, uh, when a person died, God takes them away. Or God, uh, when, uh, Kramer? Yeah, I knew it was. Uh, Verse 24, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Yeah, that's probably part of it. I, I think there was another verse in there, too. Uh, the, the thought is among some that uh, God took him. When he died or when she died, God took him. Well, there could be different meanings in that, but uh, uh, as, as uh, Wilma pointed out last, time, last week, there are some who think that uh, God has planned out your life, and it's going to be this time that God has determined you're going to die. This, 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 this is already determined by God. Anyway, uh, look at that uh, verse in, in Isaiah, and uh, I should have read it for you, but uh, Isaiah 57, what did I say? Uh, 57 verse 1, and see if that's what it's saying there, whether, whether that's what Asaph said in Psalm 63. What was 73? Uh, see what Isaiah 57 verse 1. If that, if that saying is, well, God took her. God took him. And there might be a way, a uh, uh, sense, and that might be right. But uh, usually people say, well, God took him. 
Okay. Everybody got that question in mind? Isaiah 57, verse 1. If, uh, if Kelly's here and you're ready to discuss it, we'll do that next week. Otherwise, lesson number three for next week. Thanks for your input. <laughs>